Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that your grace may always precede and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The palace of aliens is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm, and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens like heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, a rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines, strange, strange peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of the Lord. We read Psalm 23 responsibly. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He revives my soul and guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. I shall fear you for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup is running over. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. A reading from Philippians. My brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge you, Odia, and I urge Sintetche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets, gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I was fortunate to come across a video of a friend from Divinity School playing and singing a hymn she had selected to speak to the current tragedy in Palestine and Israel, and I felt like it fit well with our gospel reading today. I had never heard the hymn before, but I want to share it with you now. The text is by Herman Stumfel Jr., and it offers profound words of prayer where my own fail me now. Where armies scourge the countryside and people flee in fear, where sirens scream through flaming nights and death is ever near. O God of mercy, hear our prayer. Bring peace to earth again. Where anger festers in the heart and strikes with cruel hand, where violence stalks the troubled streets and terror haunts the land. O God of mercy, hear our prayer. Bring peace to earth again. Where homes are torn by bitter strife and love dissolves in blame. Where walls you meant for sheltering care hide deeds of hurt and shame. O God of mercy, hear our prayer. Bring peace to earth again. O God, whose heart compassionate bears every human pain. Redeem this violent, wounding world till gentleness shall reign. O God of mercy, hear our prayer. Bring peace to earth again. Amen. We have a tendency when reading parables to read the figure of the king or the landowner or some other ruler as the figure of God in the story. This bias can sometimes get us moving in the right direction, but it can also hinder a more fruitful interpretation. I think... In the case of our parable, in, in the parable today, uh, it is a hindrance. If we're going to take seriously the belief that God is revealed most fully in the person and character of Jesus Christ, then we need to check our bias toward reading God as the most politically powerful or most wealthy figure in the parables of Jesus. 
After all, Jesus himself was neither politically powerful within the reigning institutions, nor was he wealthy by any stretch. He was a blue-collar bumpkin from Nazareth who had no place to lay his head throughout the course of his three-year ministry. We would do well to remember this when we interpret the parables, recognizing God in the poor and outcast rather than in the powerful characters. We should also remember that the reputation of kings in Israel is not a good one, a mixed bag at least. The tradition we find in the books of Samuel and kings in the Old Testament has a critical opinion of the monarchy where David and Solomon are the only ones who have any credibility, and even their integrity is marred by a number of abuses of their royal authority. God begins that saga in Samuel by lamenting Israel's very desire for a king, warning the people that a king will exploit the people for money and military conscription. And God tells the prophet Samuel that Israel's desire for a king amounts to a rejection of God. From, from 1 Samuel, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old, tough, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. God's wisdom is borne out in the history of Israel that follows, and it continues even into Jesus' time with the pseudo-kings of the Herodian dynasty. That is, all the kings named Herod. They were known to be paranoid and violent, power-hungry bedfellows with the Roman Empire. We catch a glimpse of this in Matthew's Gospel when we hear that one of the Herods has John the Baptist executed as a party trick to appease his guests. We also have to remember the narrative setting of this parable, which is given after Jesus has made his entrance into Jerusalem. And the story is set on an acute trajectory toward the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus. All of this ought to dispose us toward a critical reading of the king in our parable today, and perhaps also the rulers and kings of our own time and place. Imagine the fear and disdain these people must have to reject a summons from their king to a party. As we have already seen, a party like the one Herod threw does not mean safety for the attendees. I imagine the murder of the slaves sent to extend the so-called invitation is a tragic act of desperation, one where fear ultimately drives the powerless toward frantic acts of violence. And then we see, of course, the relative power of the king over against the citizens when Matthew says the king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Without discounting the tragedy of the murder of the slaves, the leveling of an entire city seems to be vastly out of proportion to the crime and one that is clearly meant to send a grave message to those who would defy any future invitation. So when the second invitation comes to the remaining citizens, I have to imagine this to be the kind of invite with compulsory attendance. What choice do they have? Look at what happened to the city that refused and tried to resist. We ought to be suspicious of a party that no one in the kingdom wants to attend.
So the second wave of guests is compelled by a threat to attend this so-called party of the brutal king, and they arrive dressed for the occasion, as would be expected of them. No one would dare come without the customary attire, smiles on their, without smiles on their faces, or without the performative courtesies expected of such a gathering. But one of them did dare to come in such a fashion. There is one who is without the proper wedding attire. He does not cause a scene, but his presence itself draws attention because it is so out of step. We see the king address him with the social niceties, calling him friend and framing his thinly veiled displeasure in the form of a question, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? Though this is disputed, some sources like St. Augustine of Hippo indicate that it, is a, it was customary for the host to provide something at the door for guests to wear, a cloak or tunic to cover their street clothes. If this is the case, the wedding guest here refused to put one on in protest. But either way, this guest stands out as one who does not wish to participate in this compulsory wedding banquet. The king's response is predictable, given his past behavior. He has the non-conforming guest bound and thrown out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I read this parable, I see this non-conforming wedding guest as the Christ figure, defying the terror of the king with his unwillingness to entertain the vanities of the king and his violent means. The silence of the guest, this Christ figure, foreshadows the silence of Jesus before his accusers, both the high priest and Pilate, when he stands trial before his crucifixion. He recalls also the words of Isaiah, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus is one who stands in defiance against the tyrants and rulers who lord their power over the masses, subjugating their, subjugated to their whims and victimized by their entitled brutality. Jesus is the one who will not even give answer to their questioning, thereby refusing to acknowledge their authority as terminal judges. He is the one who does not conform to the powers of this world, who does not participate in the pomp and circumstance of worldly authorities. Jesus enters with the terrorized guests and draws the terror of the king away from his coerced guests and instead draws it upon himself. Jesus is the one who is cast into outer darkness, the one who is literally taken outside the city to be crucified, as the sky is darkened at the midday by the God who mourns the terrible violence against God's only Son, a violence carried out against him as an imperial and religious maintenance of power. God is not the tyrant king in this parable. God is the rejected one who will not pay homage to the arrogance of tyrannical rulers, who will not participate in the violent charade. God is instead the true refuge for the poor, as our reading from Isaiah proclaims. God is not coercive, nor will God use threats and violence to compel guests to the wedding feast. Rather, God will be cast into the outer darkness to shine light into it. And from the place of the darkest night, God will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, 
a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. The darkness is not dark to God, and it is from the outer darkness alongside all those who will not conform to the patterns of the kings of this world. It is from that outer darkness that God spreads a table in the presence of our enemies. But because God is a non-conforming God, the table is spread in the presence of enemies in hope that they too might join around the table. This is the hope of the kingdom, the kingdom compared by contrast to the kingdoms of this world that around this table, the power of tyrants might meet its end, the dividing walls of hostility might be broken down, and that strangers might become neighbors, and enemies might become friends. Amen. Let us stand with Christians throughout the world and throughout history to recite our statement of faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the Son of God, the Father, God, God, especially Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris and Gordon, our deacons, and our diocese, St. Luke's, Knoxville, and our companion diocese of South Dakota, Gethsemane, Sisseton, grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours. Grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. 
Lord, in your mercy. Remembering Sister and Gordon, Becky, Carolyn, Stephanie and family, Ed, Bill, Eli, Nancy, Jesse, Cal, Larry, Louisa, Martha, Catherine, Randy, Lisa, Mariana, Martha, Mike, Allison DeWitt, Doreen, Lou, Beth, Myra, Rick, Hal, John, Rick, Jay, John, Kim, Mark, Pat, Deanna, Jackson, Jonathan, Michael, Aaron, Jonathan, Regina, Patricia, Van, Sarah Beth, Linda, Jason, Michael, Jay and Misty, Daryl, Mike, Gary, Charlie and Phyllis, Kim, Diane, Larry, Bunky, Matt, Richard, Susan, Larry and Ann, Sandra, Harold, Joe, Caitlin, Trish, Don, Daryl, Paul. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. We commend to your mercy all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people, and the multitude of your mercies look with compassion upon all who come to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls, and to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and for. Okay. Most merciful God, we Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace. Grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and newness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and abide with you always. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia.